0: This is Kenneth Farrell, running back for the Seattle Dragon. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Are you
1: For some more XFL, welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLBoard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 32nd episode. In this episode, we will have two interviews. First, we will talk to Seattle Dragons running back Kenneth Farrow. We talked to Kenneth about the shortened XFL season, the success of the Seattle Dragons, especially with the fans in the city of Seattle, and his plans for the future. Then we'll talk with XFLboard.com Seattle Dragons team reporter Jackson Connor. We will talk about the shortened XFL season, which players are headed to the NFL, and what we can expect from the XFL leading up to season two. There are no sports on television. We might as well keep talking about the XFL. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Seattle Dragons running back Kenneth Farrow to the podcast. Welcome, Kenneth.
0: Thanks for having me on, man.
1: Well, thanks for making the time to be on. Now, it must still seem like a bad dream to have the XFL season cut short so quickly.
0: Yeah, man, it's kind of uh, took everybody by surprise. Uh, well, a little bit of a surprise. We kind of saw everybody else falling and figured we weren't too far behind
1: it seemed inevitable especially when the nba uh closed their operation right
0: yeah definitely nba and then we saw march madness close and we were like yeah probably going to be coming up soon
1: there was a short period where there was a plan for the seattle dragons to play in front of an empty stadium wasn't there
0: yeah i think there was uh we were kind of getting ready for that we actually had a i think we had one practice that week um Everybody kind of knew that that was going to be a situation, and then um, then shortly after that everything got kind of closed down.
1: So it happened really quickly that the uh, game was uh, the game in front of an empty stadium was canceled then
0: We were only kind of preparing for that for about a day, and then the very next day all that was canceled.
1: It was really shocking and quick, and, I, and and now looking back at it now, it seemed like it was quite necessary to do this, especially with everything else shutting down. Now, I assume you made it home safely and you're at home right now?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm back in Houston and everything's good. I'm feeling great. No, You know, nothing crazy like that going on, so just kind of trying to stay indoors and stay away from everything that's going on right now.
1: Through all this, you must still feel blessed to have had that opportunity to play with the Dragons, right?
0: Oh no, definitely, man. That was a uh, that was a fun time. Uh, anytime you get to go out there and play on in front of millions on TV, you know that's kind of it's kind of what you live for. So uh, as far as the football player goes, so it was definitely a great opportunity for us to get out there and be able to kind of you know showcase what we got on the football field, and then also just you know being able to be a part of the team and uh, you know make new relationships with new guys that you know uh, we
1: played against each other and maybe never. Had
0: chance to be on the same team so it was definitely a fun opportunity for everybody
1: yeah i looked at your uh, your career and i could see that this was a real good opportunity for you and you had a good opportunity last year playing for the san antonio commanders for the alliance though didn't you
0: yeah definitely that was a uh i wouldn't say similar situation but that winded up getting cut short for you know other reasons but um and that was you know definitely a good opportunity anytime you can get out and you know put new new tape on film or, or game film game action like that. It's usually always good if you can uh do what you need to do in those situations,
1: yeah, both of those seasons were cut short for different reasons, but it must seem like deja vu for you to have another another startup league get cut the way it, the way the alliance was cut last year,
0: oh yeah, definitely, I was like you know i kind of I kind of saw it coming and I kind of expected it a little bit more than maybe some of the other guys that it was their first year kind of um, doing that type of deal. So, uh, yeah, I definitely wasn't too surprised that that happened um, the way it did.
1: With Seattle, you were uh, you were one of the – in fact, I think you were the top Seattle running back, but you shared duties uh, with Shaquan Gardner and Trey Williams. Didn't you? All three of you were uh, sharing the running back duties, weren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, we had a, a little rotation going there, uh, keeping everybody fresh and stuff like that.
1: So you had a lot of power in the in the backfield with the dragons, so didn't
0: you oh yeah definitely definitely we thought uh we thought you know uh we, that was gonna be kind of the strength of our team and you know kind of looking back when we were able to uh you know run the balls pretty effective
1: yeah it would have been nice to see those last five games regular season games being played and see what may have uh what that may have led to wouldn't it
0: yeah, definitely. I felt like uh offensively offensively we were kinda of getting on a
1: roll. Um
0: BJ got back there and kinda of added another layer um to what we were able to do um as an offense. So uh yeah, man, I thought we were gonna get on a roll and we played Houston pretty well, didn't come up come away with the win, but um I think it was definitely telling of what we were kinda of starting to put together uh, there towards towards the end of that stretch.
1: Yeah, things at at the halfway point of the season, uh, things were actually, you could see maybe the Dragons were at a crossroads. And then with the more mobile quarterback, B.J. Daniels, changing things up, do you think that uh, Coach Zorn would have gone with Daniels for the next game or would they have maybe gone uh, in a rotation with the two quarterbacks?
0: Uh, You know, I'm not not too sure about that, how, how he would have went about that. I think, you know,
1: he would have put the best guy out there to, you
0: know, give us the best chance to win. So, uh, you know, BJ, you know, Houston being 5-0 and and us coming up, going to Houston and being up, uh, I thought that was a good game. We just gotta, we just kind of had to uh, finish a little bit better than we did. But, uh, yeah, I definitely would see that happening.
1: I guess we'll never know uh, what, what would have happened in that game with Houston that was coming up uh, that you're talking about. I mean, Houston was due for a loss, weren't they?
0: Yeah, they, they were they were close. They they were close a couple times actually. So uh, it would have been interesting to see how all that would have panned out.
1: Oh, maybe maybe it would have been the Dragons that did it, uh, but we'll never know. Now, how did the fans in Seattle receive the Dragons? What was your opinion of that?
0: I thought they were awesome. You know, we came out to that first game and they had a good they had a a few showing. I think we had almost thirty thousand for the first game and. Um, you know, they were, they were loud and, uh, you know, I kind of was expecting that hearing a lot of things from about how Seattle loves their sports teams out there. So it was definitely a fun place to play. And I was, and I was, um, looking forward to, you know, getting back to Seattle and rattling off a couple wins and, um, uh, kind of seeing how they responded to that. So, but I thought, I thought for the time we were out there, I thought they were awesome.
1: That's what we saw, that's what everyone saw, was the fans of Seattle were really behind the Dragons, which was nice to see. Now, you you grew up in Texas, right? Yes, sir. And you went to Lawrence Dale Bell High School in Hearst, Texas?
0: Yep, Hearst, Texas, yep.
1: That's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right?
0: Yeah, Fort Worth area, Dallas, yep, right
1: right on the edge of both. So you graduated in 2010, and that was 10 years ago. Now, what was your best memory from your high school football days? Uh, man, you know, I,
0: I probably have to say we got to go to, uh, we got to go to, uh, Dallas or was Irving Stadium at the time, the old Cowboys Stadium. And, uh, we got to play in that thing for a, a playoff game. And that was a pretty cool experience. And just, uh, you know, all the relationships that you have, those are relationships that kind of never fade away. So, um, definitely being able to play with those guys in, uh, Texas Stadium before they tore that thing down.
1: So that's a really a strong memory for you to be able to play in the in the big stadium, the local stadium uh in where you grew up.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And you were lucky enough after high school you uh you you went to the University of Houston and played for the Cougars, right? Yes sir, yes sir. And uh is am I right to say that you did you spent 4 years uh with the Cougars?
0: Yeah, I actually red shirted there too. So I was I was there in two thousand eleven was my first year and then I ended everything uh twenty fifteen. Uh we ended uh with a win at the Peach Bowl. So uh had a had a hugely uh successful time at the University of Houston. Uh you know, that was a very fun fun time of my football playing career for sure.
1: In your final year with Houston I have that you uh Carried the ball 185 times for 958 yards, 12 touchdowns, while also making 10 catches for another 119 yards, and all of this despite you were fighting through an injury in that uh, senior season as well, weren't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I missed the last three games with a uh, ankle surgery, uh, with a what a high ankle sprain. Um, so yeah, I was I was kind of banged up towards the end of that season.
1: Well, you still put up put up some good stats despite being banged up. And then you were highly touted to be drafted into the NFL, uh, but like a lot of folks you went as an undrafted free agent to the Chargers.
0: Yeah, I um couldn't do the combine, couldn't do the recent senior bowl because of that ankle sprain and kinda of set me back, um, as far as that process go. but uh yeah, but you know, found a way in and still still trying to make it happen, so everything's still all good.
1: And then going forward you spent uh you spent uh 2 years with the Chargers is that right?
0: Yep, yep, 2 years. One uh one I was active my rookie year and then the following year I had a um, I finally had the ankle surgery to kind of fix that up and then yeah, so 2 years with the Chargers and then followed up by uh uh about 13 weeks with the Patriots and then had another stand with the uh, Dolphins after I did the uh, San Antonio Spring League.
1: Yeah, that's what I have. So the Patriots and then San Antonio Commanders. And then last 2019, you were with the Dolphins. And yes, then sir. you finally got some time back on the field when the Dragons drafted you in October of 2019,
0: right? Yep, yep. I was excited to get another opportunity to get out there, you know, uh, finally healthy and uh, kind of, you know, ready to just show what I could do. So it was definitely a, a good opportunity for me to get out there and get get that team out there.
1: When did you become interested in an opportunity to play with the XFL? Uh, you know, I heard about it. Uh,
0: heard they were possibly starting that league up, and um, you know, when they when the when the draft came around. Uh, you know, got a phone call and said I got drafted uh, pretty high to Seattle. So, uh, you know, just took it took it and ran with the opportunity
1: and it uh, wound up being pretty fun. When you started playing in Seattle, had you ever been to uh, the Pacific Northwest before? Have you ever been up there before?
0: No, that was my first time up there. Uh, that was actually my first time up there. So uh, I was out there on the West Coast in, in San Diego, but uh, never up north towards that end. So it was a, definitely a new experience for me.
1: I actually heard that from other players that went up there and said it was a new experience. And in fact, they, they, I have I've heard positive things about, uh, people who, who had to play in Seattle.
0: Yeah, no, it was awesome, it was an awesome, you know, environment to play in. Uh, I think the fans were, the fans were crazy, uh, which is always what you, what you want as a, as a football player. You want to get out there and play in front of some, in front of some crazy crowds, you know, get loud. And, uh, I think that, uh, they were an awesome job, man, for the couple games that we did have at home.
1: What do you think was the biggest difference between the XFL and other football leagues you played in? I think they did a great job marketing
0: uh, media and just kind of the whole coverage Uh, you know it definitely was kind of new and and innovative and with the sideline interviews and stuff like that so uh, they did a lot from that standpoint from the media standpoint to uh, really push push everything out there and then I thought it was cool. Uh, they got a lot of uh, guys kind of personal stories. They were pushing a lot of personal stories out there as well. So I thought that was a great job by them. Uh, something you don't really see um, at that at that level.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of personal stories. I mean, more more so than usual. Like they really pushed that out. Now, did you like those sideline interviews?
0: Uh, they were a little different, man. There was definitely some adjustment in the in the heat of the battle. You know, it's kind of you got to you got to kind of be mindful that you're on live TV. So um, that was definitely a little adjustment uh, that guys had to make.
1: Yeah, they literally come at you in the heat in the heat of the battle. Literally, that's how it was felt like for you, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And there was, as you know, there was uh, four letter words and things and then they had to be bleeped out. And uh, from a a spectator point of view, the sideline interviews, I think, were great. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think some players uh, may not have enjoyed them as much because they got interviewed at a moment they did not want to speak.
0: Yeah, I did see. There was, a, there was a couple of tough interviews on there uh, after some bad plays and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Now, also, with the shorter play clock, did you find the XFL be, to be that much of a different game with the shorter play clock?
0: uh no nah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to tell uh as far as you know the whole length of the games uh the pace of it was definitely quicker um uh, so you could kind of tell with that, but you know you kind of get through the game and the whole game length is kind of hard to tell but play by play for sure uh we had definitely had a had a pretty high pace out there
1: and hearing the play calls in your helmet uh did that change the game a lot for you from other leagues you played in?
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, we had, uh, it was kind of cool, you know, being able to have that just kind of right in your ear. So, uh, which kind of helped with the tempo and the pace, you know, guys didn't necessarily have to get huddled up to get to play and things like that. So that was definitely a a new wrinkle that I think guys kind of like.
1: Yeah, so those differences really made the league stand out, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. Another big difference is the XFL put it right on the field for the love of football. Now, what does that mean to you? Uh, you know, just going
0: out there, man, you get an opportunity to play um, and you just go out there and uh you're kind of doing it you know it's not it's not you don't, know, you're not gonna see the million dollar contracts out there uh all the guys that are out there are trying to kind of get to that level, so uh you really have to you really have to love the game to to be able to keep doing it uh for as long as some of the guys that have been out there, and you know for the younger guys that were just kind of coming out of college and stuff like that uh maybe they didn't have the opportunity they wanted at the nfl level to start off and so uh it's just kind of it's just kind of testimony to you know how dedicated they are to their craft uh you know willing to take a willing to take kind of a, a major pay cut from from the level up uh to continue their dream and, and try to get that next opportunity
1: where will we see you next like what what are you looking for in your next football opportunity you never know, man. You know, I just
0: went out there, you know, every week that I could and try to put the best film out there. And, uh, you know, I've seen quite a few guys getting calls and, and getting signed to teams. So, uh, you know, it's a long process. Uh, you know, I've gone through it a couple times. Uh, I feel like I'll definitely get an opportunity at the next level uh, and, and go in there and take full advantage of it, uh, whether it be the NFL or the XFL. Uh, definitely, you know, Think I put put tape out there to show that I can still play at a high level. So you know, who knows who knows where I land next, but uh, I'll definitely be ready when that time comes.
1: So that's your business is to be ready for the next opportunity.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's kind of that's that's definitely the um, what you got to do as a, a professional athlete. You got to be ready whenever that phone calls. Uh, nobody's kind of susceptible to getting let go ever at any point in time in their career. So. Just always got to stay on your p's and q's, and stay ready, and stay in shape, and uh, kind of just seize that opportunity when it when it calls.
1: Yeah, exactly. Tell me more about your foundation, grind with a purpose.
0: Yeah, so it's a, a mentor mentorship uh, we do with inner city kids out here. We started back in 2017 um, in Houston, and uh, we've done a couple we've done a couple sessions out in Seattle. We're able to get to uh, elementary school and kind of talk with some kids there, but. out here in Houston we've had about 80 kids total go through the program it's like a 10-week program uh just character building and trying to teach the kids you know just better better ways of of going about their daily lives and things like that and so uh what we do is we go in with them for like an hour and we'll sit down and and we'll just kind of have a session talking about you know morals and ethics and just habits to make them successful uh in their young lives and uh bj daniels and trey williams I think nick williams and noah board and we all got to go out to a couple of schools uh kind of under under the Foundation's cause and, and go out and t- speak to some schools so uh yeah we've just been doing that man and and kind of trying to give these kids the most opportunities we can uh try to give them game that's going to help them get to where they want to be in life
1: so you mentioned you have some of the other seattle dragons helping you with this now as well right
0: yeah yep yeah. and um uh, so, so, next week, I think Mo- Monday is gonna be our first first episode. We're gonna go on uh Instagram and do a live episode with Nick temple uh the linebacker, and we're gonna talk a little bit about just everything that the uh the foundation is about and how it relates to what he's got going on so uh monday Monday night, you can tune in uh I'll have the the Instagram links and all that stuff uh available on on Twitter. And so we'll do a IG live video with a, with a, quite a few of the dragon, my dragon teammates throughout throughout the next couple of weeks.
1: So fans should uh, check on your Twitter at Kenneth M. for more information and to join you for this live uh, Instagram uh, video cast.
0: Yep, definitely. Or they can go to uh, GrindWithAPurpose.org, and we'll kind of have updates and, and stuff like that of of when we're going to be launching all those all those episodes and upcoming upcoming things.
1: Well that's awesome. So, uh grindwithapurpose.org. Yes, sir. Well, thanks, Kenneth. It sounds like a great way to give back to the community. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate it. Now, Kenneth, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast and I I wish you good health and good luck and we hope to see you back on a football field real soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I'd like to welcome Jackson Connor to the podcast. Not only is Jackson the XFLboard.com team reporter for the Seattle Dragons, he is a football fan and a lover of all sports. Welcome, Jackson.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I have not spoken to you since the XFL closed. I, I really can't describe it in any other way than to say it's a sad situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of liken it to what, what happened with the AF shutdown. I understand that the XFL didn't close because of lack of funding or, or failure, kind of like the AF did. And there's the, oh, there's the big possibility of a season next year, which is what they're going to be trying to get. But I still kind of felt the same like vibe from it as everyone's just kind of sad. It wasn't finished. Just that's how I felt for my community on Twitter, even though there's still some positives that they they put out a good product and, they're planning to be back next year.
1: So you're saying for sure that the 2020 season, even being short, it showed a lot of promise, right?
2: I think it showed promise. I think it showed that this that this league can be successful. And yeah, there there may be some things that they have to work on. I'm not 100% sure on those things. I'm sure Luck will make changes over the off season, and they'll. I'm I'm pretty confident they'll come back harder than ever in 2021.
1: Now, one of the things that we looked at every week with the xfl was the was the attendance now you were in attendance in seattle for for two games right
2: Mm, yes
1: so you witnessed the attendance there now what's your take on how the attendance situation was for the xfl
2: i thought it was good i thought there was some there's a little bit of some disappointing markets in terms of attendance i know new york and tampa bay both experienced severe that's a little bit like pretty significant drop offs between week 1 their their home game and their second home game LA was down was pretty low but there were some promising markets like St. Louis of course is the obvious one and I would have liked to see the number if they if they were able to play week 6 that was supposed to be a very they're supposed to break the records in week 6 Seattle was a great market as well they logged 29k in their first in their first home game went down to 22k in their second home game but that was still the highest out of anyone other than st louis houston was a pretty promising market they went 18 17 and then they got all the way back up to 20 that could be due to their team success but still that was pretty promising dallas kind of hovered around 17k dc hovered around 16k so there's some there's some decent markets
1: yeah there's a lot to be excited about with the attendance and i know some markets had some trouble uh i would have really loved to see the second half of the season and see if those uh see how it would have evolved but i guess we'll never know because uh, we'll never get to see that now the other thing people tracked was the television ratings and you know i i've watched many television programs when they first come out their ratings are high and then they just kind of drop and drop and drop to a normal level now what's your take on the tv ratings for the xfl
2: um yeah i think that was kind of a pattern that we did see over time just looking at on each channel the, the ratings just kind of slowly slowly went down but it looked like they kind of started to like there was a big drop off obviously between week one and week two but after that the drop off wasn't that big i think they were about to start evening out um but yeah i think that was to be expected but the one promising thing was it seemed like every weekend they were still some of the most popular sports on tv they're still beating others other sports in competition
1: yeah, I think people compare them to the other sports that were on uh, in the same time slots, and they were the XFL was very competitive. So there's a lot of positives to be taken there. I know some people want to uh, just look at the negatives and that the the ratings dropped, but I'm happy that they were able to. Some people were able to compare them, compare the XFL ratings to what else was on television at the time, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that people wondered about with the xfl before it started was the quality of play and then when the first uh i think the first couple weeks there was a lot of questions a lot of negativity about the quarterbacking but
2: that improved didn't it i think the quality of play for me was above expected um the offensive play was what really slowed down the af there was a lot of just god awful quarterback play there was receivers dropping balls left and right the o-lines could not block anyone they're not cohesive as a unit in the xfl i saw I saw a lot less of all of that. I saw wide receivers not dropping every pass. There was obviously some drops, which is going to happen. And there's and the O-lines were actually paving holes for successful running games. We didn't see a lot of that in the AAF. But I thought the big thing that helped out the XFL was the presence of mobile quarterbacks. Mobile quarterbacks really, really helped out their team. You so saw P.J. Walker, Jordan Tamu, even B.J. Daniels towards the end of the season for Seattle. Marquise Williams got in there. Josh Johnson got in there. Those were some of the more successful quarterbacks in the XFL. the the mobility of these quarterbacks because the o-lines while they were more cohesive and better performing than the the af it's still tough for an o-line to adjust as fast as a defensive line so having those mobile quarterbacks getting them getting them outside the pocket like pj what pj walker was doing what bj daniels was doing that really helped offense and quality of play
1: yeah i agree with you and it was really exciting to see uh especially to see BJ Daniels in the final game for the Seattle dragons and what he was able to do. I wonder whether he would have been a starter in the next game or not.
2: Um, I believe that he would have been the starter. I think it took a lot for Zorn to move on from silvers and Daniels really didn't have a bad game against Houston. They were in that game. Of course, there's the obvious two second, there's always yeah. the two seconds left yeah. on the clock. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Houston, Houston beat them, but Daniels, Daniels was in that, kept them in that game. He played a great second half against the Battle Hawks. The Dragons. I was, I looked this up. They almost had a positive point differential with Daniels in the game. It was barely negative, and they played. And Daniels played one and a half halves against. Um, he played three halves against the rough. Two of them were against the Roughnecks, and he played a half against the. The Battlehawks, the two top teams. And the Dragons almost had a positive point differential with Daniels at quarterback there. I think Zorn really likes Silvers. You could tell just kind of from the press conferences and just the leash Silvers had. But Silvers was inactive in their most recent game. I think Daniels would have been the starter. I can't say that he would have been the starter for the whole season, but I think for the next game he would have definitely been the starter with still a little bit a little bit of a leash.
1: I agree with you. Maybe a little bit of a leash or or maybe there would have been a chance to put uh, Brandon Silvers in for a quarter and maybe just change up the quarterbacks from quarter to quarter. I know that a lot of coaches don't really like doing that because they like to get some sort of a rhythm going. I think it's something the Seattle Dragons could have tried.
2: I think Zorn, the thing is, I think Zorn really likes Silvers and he probably wanted to search for another opportunity to get Silver some playing time. Just him being an active week five, I'm not really 100% sure what that was about, but I guess we, we don't know. And I think I think you probably would have seen Silvers over the course. I don't know if he would have started a game, but I think you would have seen him make an appearance or two over the rest of the season.
1: Oh, I agree with you. I think Silvers would have definitely been back in, in the quarterbacking spot. I don't think Seattle had given up on him. I just think Maybe there was a reason why they gave him a break, but we'll never know now. And I guess we'll have to wait and see whether uh, Brandon Silvers is a starting quarterback next year. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for Seattle and, of course, other teams who have a chance to have the same starter. Because of some of the quarterbacks have already moved on, right, to the NFL, or they have at this point in time, right?
2: Yeah, the the two top quarterbacks or arguably the two top quarterbacks, P.J. Walker and Jordan Tomlin, who are off to the NFLs, and in my opinion, great landing spots for each of them. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if these teams stay. I'm just not sure how the roster, the overhaul of the roster is going to work in the offseason. It'll be interesting to see if Houston stays. Connor Cook gives him an opportunity. He was originally supposed to be the quarterback there. It'll be interesting to see what these teams do. If they find new quarterbacks coming out from college, if there's players like like Robinson, that want to want to forego their junior senior season and come to the XFL. It's gonna be interesting.
1: Well, that's a good point. That there's plenty of us to watch and and to talk about in the off season of the XFL this year, isn't there?
2: Mm-hmm. I th- I think I think Walker and Tamu moving on to the NFL. I think obviously that hurts the that hurts the quarterback play, but that also opens up opportunities for new guys to come in. There's new there's new players like Walker and Tamu. There's players like them out there. You. XFL just has to find them. And I think if you see players like Walker and Tamu getting backup jobs, getting getting real opportunity in the NFL, there's going to be more and more quality players that, that realize that the XFL is a good option for them.
1: Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch the NFL kick off this fall and to see those two, Walker and Tamu, and see what role they play in the teams that they've been signed to. Uh, I'll be watching that more than anything else. I guarantee it.
2: Well, I, ho- I hope the NFL kicks off this
1: fall. <laughs> I'm I'm being optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I you know what? I I I guarantee they'll be around this fall. I guarantee it. Things will be back to normal over the summer, I believe. Uh maybe they'll kick off a little late, but I guarantee I'm I'm pretty sure they'll be back.
2: I hope I hope you are right.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I'm right too. Back to some of the uh, things the XFL did this year, now with the innovations and the rule changes, the XFL really hit the ball out of the park, didn't they?
2: Mm-hmm. The one thing that was a little disappointing was obviously we never we never saw an overtime. Uh, that would have been a very very good. That would have been some very very good TV. Just watching those that shootout. But I think the kickoffs were a huge hit. People just around the football world really liked the kickoffs, and I think that is something that we could possibly see in the NFL. I really like the one foot in bounds rule that they adopted from college. I thought, I thought that kind of like that that for me like. I really like the one foot of balance rule. I love I love it in college. I kinda wish the NFL would adapt it, but I thought the punt rule played out nicely. It encouraged teams to go for more fourth downs, which I think is better football. Teams going for it on fourth down instead of punting from midfield. Of course we had some problems with that in Seattle, just a little like inconsistent fourth down play calling, not really sure what the strategy was. And I like I like the the one, two, and three point conversions. I think I think it was interesting to see teams strategize, kinda seemed like Everyone was kind of going for one at the beginning, and then towards the end, people started realizing two was probably the more efficient option. We even saw some three-point attempts. So I think, yeah, I thought the rule changes were great. I would, of course, I would have liked to see an overtime, but the stuff we did see, I thought was good.
1: I was expecting uh, people to be complaining about these weird rules, and I never saw it. Uh, especially NFL fans or non-XFL fans to be complaining that the rules were too weird for them. Uh, I never really saw that. I think people were actually impressed. That's why yeah. I think.
2: I thought just watching just watching the games, I try to watch every game. Um, it it just seemed like like the rule changes they had a, they had an impact, but it didn't make the football game like abstract. It didn't make it like the rules obscure. It was helped it be the XFL be a little more original. And I, but I thought it still flowed like a like an NFL football game. It was a little more fast paced, which I like. I, I thought there's less there's less choppiness with the, all the commercials and stuff. You could kind of like flow through almost like half a quarter without going through a commercial.
1: Yeah, you know, I really think XFL nailed it. Now, I've been asking other uh, team reporters in the podcast this this part, this question, and it's hypothetical, of course. Now, if the season would have continued, who do you think would have made the playoffs? I,
2: I was thinking about this, and I really struggled with the second team in the East. I think the first team would be the Battlehawks. I know they had a down game week week five, but they kind of showed over the The other four games that they're they're the most dominant team in the east we saw new york and dc be very inconsistent and tampa bay was tampa bay was two games out they would have had to they would have had to probably win out to to take the second spot um in the west i i think obviously i think houston would have probably won the whole thing they're just the most complete team my opinion but I think the West would have been a very, very interesting race between the two and three Renegades and the Wildcats. The Wildcats were playing a lot better under Josh Johnson. The Renegades, the Renegades were a bit up and down and consistent, but so were so were most of the teams. And I think Seattle under B.J. Daniels. I, I'm not trying to be a homer, but I think they still had a shot if they won their if they won their divisional games or the second half of the season. They still had to play LA twice. They still got to play Dallas one one more time and they had New York as well in there, I thought they had a fighting chance. Only one game out of the second spot.
1: Who do you think would have won the championship then?
2: Ben, I know it's the the cliche pick, but I probably would have done Roughnecks over Battlehawks in the championship.
1: It's hard to avoid that pick, isn't it?
2: I I hate going with something everyone else did, but they're going with it for a reason. I think going against the Roughnecks, probably winning it all would just be like contrarian, just for the point of being contrarian. I think I think the Roughnecks were the obvious favourites.
1: Yeah, I somewhat agree with you. Uh, I always like going for the underdog, as I've pointed <laughs> out many times. But in this case, yeah, I'm, I think the Roughnecks would have been there. It's too bad we cannot see that season play out and see this come to fruition. Because we don't know what would have happened, of course, with injuries and such. But uh, we'll never know. It's a hypothetical situation now, and we can just put that away in, in the closet, and that's the best we can do. Do you think there'll be any coaching changes? I pretty firmly
2: believe that any coach that wants to come back will probably come back um, in Seattle. There's I know Zorn got got a little criticized over the time, but I think I think a lot of the problems in Seattle, was just that the absence of Mike Riley and Zorn having to take over the offensive coordinator job, I think in Seattle Zorn will be back, but I think he'll either bring Mike Riley or another offensive coordinator. So Zorn does not have to do the play calling and he can just kind of stick to head coaching.
1: That'll probably help Zorn out a lot if, if he gets that situation sorted out.
2: Mm -hmm. Because that was kind of, that was kind of an abrupt change of events for him. I mean, he wasn't coming in expecting to be the play caller. He had to, yeah, it was just, he didn't come in to expect to be a play caller and that was just kind of came out of nowhere and I think next year he'll have a play caller he'll have an offensive coordinator and he'll just be sticking with head coach
1: and for the rest of the teams uh, you're expecting all the other head coaches to return
2: yeah I I think in only five games I think I think that's a little too short of a time I mean Tampa Bay the the other one in four team I think Tressman will be back I, I think if these coaches want to come back and they don't get another job offer that's more attractive to them, I think they'll be back. There could be changes on the staff and stuff. Like We even saw a change after week one. But I think there could be changes on some of the staffs. But I think most of the head coaches will be back. I think, I think all the head coaches that want to come back will be back.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I think most of them are probably looking at this shortened season and saying, well, we didn't do the job yet. We still have something to prove. So they'll be back, uh, except in maybe in the case that they get a really good offer somewhere else uh, or something happens that they cannot return. I, I expect them all to be back. Now, you've been tracking players that have been signed by NFL teams, haven't you? Yes. Has there been any surprises? Um, I think the one big surprise was all the players signing with the
2: Steelers. I know I'm from Seattle, but my, my dad's actually from Pennsylvania. So I'm a Steelers fan. There have been four players to the Steelers, and I think before you before this interview on Twitter, I just saw a fifth player go to the Steelers. So that is way more than any other team. I think I don't think any other team has more than one. I just thought that was really surprising. Just I guess the Steelers really really looked at these players, and uh, the one that I thought was a little surprising was Kari Lee. I didn't. He wasn't necessarily a household name for the D.C. Defenders at tight end, but he actually landed in a really good spot in Atlanta. Who they just lost their tight end Austin Hooper. I know they traded. They traded for another tight end Hayden Hurst, but I think the role is actually kind of wide open. I would expect Hurst to get the starting role. But there's not too much behind him. That tight end room is pretty empty, and I think Lee can carve out a role. I really like Parham to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he'll make a good backup for Hunter Henry. And uh, Hunter Henry is on the franchise tag, so he's not long term. He's not. He's only has one more year left on his contract with the Chargers, so. Parm has a fighting fighting chance. He Parm signed a two year deal.
1: Yeah, we can see Parm playing the starter role there uh, soon enough, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think Parm was just such an anomaly at the tight end position for the for the XFL, like in a league where tight ends were not used at all. He had the third most receiving yards and second second most touchdowns out of any receiver, including wide receivers, other than maybe Cam Phillips. He had the most production relative to his position group.
1: Yeah, and Cam Phillips had pj walker throwing to him and you know and parham uh parham didn't
2: Mm -hmm. and i saw a seattle Seattle dragons fan saw parham firsthand take about a 75 yard touchdown to the house against us that sealed the game
1: yeah so that was uh depressing for seattle dragons fans and yourself i'm sure but it was (laughs) exciting it's exciting to see that performance though wasn't it
2: yeah and seeing seeing him in the hughes call out for a post game press conference he is a monster of a man he is huge
1: yeah, yeah. But
2: I, I really like the quarterback signings. I really like the fit of each quarterback. P.J. Walker signs with Carolina. Carolina immediately trades Kyle Allen to the Redskins, yeah. giving P.J. Walker to beat out Will Greer for the backup sure. job to Teddy Bridgewater. So, say what you want about Bridgewater and his contract, but Teddy Bridgewater is, I think, far from a sure thing as a, like, a franchise quarterback. So, I mean, obviously Walker is not the favorite to start there, but you could create a scenario where he gets meaningful snaps for the Carolina Panthers, and I love Tamu to the Chiefs. I, unlike the situation in Carolina, I don't think Tomu will unseat Patrick Mahomes, but I think he is a perfect backup and there's a really good fit in that system of the, RP- the RPO system and what R- Andy Reid likes to do.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun to see how those guys do in those in those in those roles, and uh, and and certainly root for them to make it into a starter position at some point in time. You know that's what they want to do. Is they want to be a starter on those teams. You know that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure the NFL contract does not hurt their attitude very much, but I, they do want to play football. I think that's really important to them.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I think PJ Walker. You could envision a scenario where he, he's threatening Teddy Bridgewater for that starting role. Bridgewater signed a, I think a twenty-one, twenty-one million dollar per year contract for three years. But hey. We've seen, we've seen crazier things happen.
1: Yeah, of course. Now, uh, last week, in last week's podcast, I had Greg Parks, uh, who also tracks players like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pointed out that I asked him who I thought would get signed by the NFL. And one of the things he said is, he says, we'll be surprised who is signed by the NFL because that's how it works. Uh, in fact, he just tweeted out he, that there was a surprise signing today of D.L. Dwayne Hendricks. To yep, the Steelers, to the, Steelers. the Battlehawks.
2: Yeah. yeah that was, I think that was the fifth Steelers signing I saw just a little bit earlier. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the obvious one that people are waiting to see is Cam Phillips. He had just an absolutely outstanding season. Just his his production, his touchdown production was just outstanding. He won Star of the Week three weeks out of five out of all the players in the league. This guy won 60% of the, the Player of the Week awards. Um in Houston Chronicle's Aaron Wilson reported that the Dolphins and the Bengals are both interested in Cam Phillips. I think both of those spots would be would be pretty good for him. I mean, the Bengals the Bengals actually have a kind of a crowded receiver room, but they have question marks around a lot of those guys other than Tyler Boyd. The the Dolphins, they have they have a few receivers there and they're probably expected to draft maybe one or two on like day 2 or day 3, but Cam Phillips could could fight for playing time in both those receiver
1: rooms. We'll have to wait and see where, where he gets signed, because he will be signed for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's no doubt about it. Now, let's talk about this off season. now. Uh, people have talked about expansion or the XFL expansion, and I'm not sure that it, the XFL will have time to expand, especially with the world situation now. But if there was expansion for next season, is there a place that you would like to see the XFL head to?
2: It's tough. I, I agree. I do not think there will be expansion. I would have really liked to see San Antonio, other than the fact that there's already two Texas teams. And I don't see that being realistic. But they had such a great market for the AAF. Like, that was it was the AAF-St. Louis. But I don't think that will be possible. I think something along the lines of Ohio or Chicago. Chicago or somewhere in Ohio, probably maybe Cleveland, Columbus. They got really good TV ratings from Columbus. Maybe somewhere kind of in, like, the Great Lakes region. And I thought Philadelphia was an interesting spot. They're a pretty good sports town. Um, I know they they, they did something for a name. They tried to put in like a claim for a name. Those are some possible spots I see.
1: So there's some good ideas there, some good ideas. But you mentioned that the fact of TV markets, and I think TV markets are going to – getting a good TV market behind a team is going to be something the XFL looks at, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And they, they got a lot from Ohio, and they don't really have a team in that region. Just somewhere, somewhere up there I think would be a good spot
1: some people know this about you and it's been brought up before uh but you are a senior in high school Mm -hmm. and you are planning to head to journalism school next year can you tell us about your plans
2: oh yeah so i actually like studied a lot and studied for my standardized tests really kept up with my grades in hopes to get into like the best journalism school um some of the best journalism schools and I thought it was pretty successful. I applied to 12, 12 colleges and I've narrowed down I got I got acceptances from back up roughly half of them. Two ones that I'm now deciding on is University of Texas, Austin and the University of Southern California or USC. Both of those are like top five journalism schools in the country. And um, yeah, I got in got into the journalism major in both those schools and in the College of Communications. So yeah, it's either I really have to decide on USC or University of Texas Austin. But yeah, those are those are my schools, and I plan to study journalism there in the communication schools.
1: Well, that's really good news. and uh, I think people would love to hear that about you. Now, some people know that you were a 17-year-old reporter for XFL board. Uh, of course, the Seattle Dragons uh, did accept you uh, in their media, uh, give you media credentials to their games and you know what uh, if they're listening to this i'd like to thank them for doing that because they did uh, they did themselves and you a good a good service by allowing you in and reporting on their team right
2: Mm-hmm. yeah jim crispin in there they, they really were welcoming and helpful they they helped me along jim crispin gave me some pointers when i went there when i went to practices when i went to games just kind of they're they're really helpful in my journey
1: and i'm sure that when you walked into the uh uh, media area in the stadium there was a, probably a few people that had a look at you because you're young right
2: yeah um I walked in and uh some of the security asked to double check my badge yeah can we, see, can we see that again and then but I mean I, I kind of figured I it didn't really affect me that much I, I kind of got a chuckle from it but but yeah it was it was a little bit daunting but of course I would have liked to go to those last three games um last three home games but yeah I mean it was
1: such a great experience. Yeah, you got cut short. And, uh, yeah, it's too bad, that whole thing got cut short, because we could have done a lot more. Uh, and, of course, you're going to turn 18 soon anyway, so uh, it'll be moot uh, in that respect. Now, have you ever seen the movie Almost Famous? I have not. Do you know what that movie's about?
2: Um, I do not believe so.
1: Oh, well, before your time. <laughs> it's a movie about a teenager that gets to be a reporter and and travel with a rock band. Well, you got time right now. You can check mm-hmm. it out. Now, talking about movies. Now, what is your favorite football movie?
2: Um, when I was when I was little, I uh like I like I watched The Blind Side with my mom, and I really like that movie. But I think my favorite football movie, hands down, is Draft Day. I love watching that that movie. Um, I watch it every I watch it every year before the draft happens because I'm always in the the really big football mood when comes to like the draft season reading all the mock drafts and watching the draft live but yeah i i love watching the inner workings of like front offices trading and just just kind of that all put on the big screen i, I love i love the movie draft day
1: the blind side and draft day
2: yeah i think draft day is my favorite um one tv show that i watch is pretty new on netflix it's called all american it's about the story of spencer pay Singer, who was he's in the in the thing is in the show as spencer james is named the show but he's he's a real nfl player and it's kind of like his it's kind of it's based off a true story about him he kind of helps direct it I, I really like that tv show as well
1: so that's called all american all it's american. on netflix right now yes all right so so jackson gave us three suggestions <laughs> thanks jackson yeah. and thank you for coming out to the podcast today
2: mm-hmm. um, thank you people, for having
1: me People can follow you online at, on Twitter at JFantasyJF, right?
2: Yep, that's my handle.
1: Thanks, Jackson.
2: Yep, thank you.
1: Stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again soon.
2: All right. I, I,
1: Thanks again to my guests, Kenneth Farrow and Jackson Connor. I hope everyone is staying safe, and I wish you and your family good health and well-being. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You are welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast.